Chapter Eight of Peggy Raymond's Vacation, or Friendly Terrace Transplanted, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, Hobo to the Rescue. Life at Doolittle Cottage had been anything but uneventful, even before the arrival of Graham and his friend. But it must be confessed that the presence of the two young men added appreciably to the agreeable excitements and diversions of the days for upwards of twenty-four hours the girls had maintained the superiority of first arrivals and then to their surprise found the tables turned and that they were being introduced to spots whose charms they had never discovered and to pleasures as yet untried jerry morton bringing his fish as usual looked askance at the two young fellows taking their ease in the porch hammocks and received with marked ungraciousness peggy's suggestion that he should act as their guide to some point where the fishing was good i never could get on with swells said jerry with his customary frankness let em fish out of your cistern them city dudes will catch as much there as anywhere peggy restrained her laughter with difficulty it seemed rather hard that graham and jack attiring themselves in garments so old as barely to be presentable should yet be designated by a term of such unbound contempt privately peggy thought aunt abigail had come nearer the mark and that the boys bore a more striking resemblance to tramps than to city dudes wisely she made no effort to defend her friends of course if you are too busy she said indifferently we can make some other arrangement perhaps mr cole would spare joe oh i'll take em interrupted jerry still sulkily though he looked a little ashamed of himself i'll show em where the fish are and if they come home with nothing but their tackle don't blame me but the fishing excursion was more successful than jerry's gloomy hints gave ground for anticipating the boys brought back so many fish that thrifty peggy racked her brains to find ways of disposing of them all jerry for his part carried home a new idea of city dudes and their ways these clear-eyed clean-minded young fellows had not treated him as an inferior nor had they committed the offence still less pardonable from jerry's standpoint of condescending to his level as fishermen too they had shown no mean skill and from dislike and mistrust jerry had at length been brought to grudging admiration and reluctant respect the favourable impression was not all on one side however as graham cleaned his fish the girls lightening his labors by sitting around in an appreciative circle he suddenly checked his operations to exclaim say do you know that fellow's a wonder who not jerry morton ruth's tone was rather scandalized for ruth did not share peggy's faculty for finding all kinds of people interesting and had a not uncommon weakness for good clothes and conventional manners yes jerry why he's a walking encyclopedia he knows everything about the trees and the plants growing around here except their scientific names and it's the same way with birds he's learned it all first-hand instead of out of books you see his eyes and his ears too are as sharp as an indian's pity that there isn't a better prospect of his amounting to something peggy was delighted with the opportunity to discuss jerry's case with some one inclined to appreciate the boy's good qualities he's got started wrong she explained he's not really lazy but he seems lazy to the people here they think he's worthless and he resents that and so he fancies he hates everybody you see he hasn't any father or mother he lives with his grandmother and she dear me how do you pick up so much about that sort of people demanded claire suppressing a yawn rather unsuccessfully 
claire found such topics of conversation far from entertaining and was perfectly willing that peggy should realize this fact but peggy herself was too interested to suspect that claire was bored oh i asked mrs cole about him she replied graham i wish you'd talk to him if you get a chance and try to wake up his ambition it's a shame for such a bright boy to grow up with the reputation of being a loafer graham shook his head guess i wouldn't be much of a success as a home missionary you'd better try your hand on him yourself peggy me oh i do peggy answered simply but perhaps he'd think more of it coming from a boy and graham reaching for another fish reflected that a girl like peggy raymond could not even go away for a summer vacation without framing innumerable little plots for helping people with or without their cooperation ruth had told him of the burying bee and mentioned casually that peggy was going to give lucy haines lessons in algebra at the same time she was puzzling her head over the possibility of turning the good-for-nothing of the community into a useful citizen humility was not graham's dominant characteristic but for the moment the popular young collegian had a queer and uncomfortable sense of amounting to very little dorothy rescued him from this unwanted self-depreciation by bursting on the scene with eyes distended to their widest aunt peggy your old hen's scolding and scolding now dorothy you mustn't go near her nest i stood way off by the door and just looked at her and she talked as cross as anything oh i wonder what day is it anyway peggy disappeared through the open door of the woodshed to have her jubilant suspicions instantly confirmed the yellow hen was in a mood of extreme agitation and a shrill peeping from beneath her ruffled feathers furnished the explanation of her disquiet peggy herself was hardly more composed and her excitement was contagious all plans for the remainder of the afternoon were instantly forgotten till peggy's chickens should be ushered from their eggshell prison houses into the world of sunshine peggy had fortified herself against this hour by asking advice of mrs cole and joe and all the other experts in the neighborhood but now she realized the appalling gulf between theory and practice the demeanor of the yellow hen convinced her that everything was going wrong and she felt pathetically unequal to doing ever so little toward making it come right yet in spite of peggy's forebodings one chicken after another was rescued from beneath the wings of the perturbed foster-mother and placed in a carefully prepared basket set behind the kitchen stove the girls eager for a peep at the new arrivals failed to wax enthusiastic after their curiosity had been satisfied amy voiced the general disappointment when she said regretfully i hadn't an idea they looked like that to start with i thought they'd be fluffy and cute like chickens on easter cards peggy who had herself found the appearance of the wobbly shrill-voiced mites a distinct shock said bravely that they would undoubtedly be prettier when they were older after six chickens had been placed in the basket silence reigned in the nest the yellow hen settled down on her remaining eggs emitting at intervals an agitated cluck peggy vibrated between the woodshed and the covered basket behind the stove like an erratic pendulum the other girls weary at last of waiting for more chickens trooped to the living-room and graham who like many young gentlemen of twenty could on occasion conduct himself like a boy half that age sought to create a diversion by tickling his sister ruth was agonizingly sensitive to this form of torture a forefinger extended with a threatening waggle was sufficient to rob her of every vestige of self-control while the play of her brother's fingers over her ribs reduced her instantly to grovelling submission to do graham justice he was quite unable to appreciate the fact that this pastime cost ruth real suffering he would have put his hand into the fire before he would have struck his sister yet 
he frequently subjected her to misery compared to which a blow would have been welcome with a sudden freakish reversion to the prankishness of a growing boy graham pointed his finger at ruth who instantly screamed the girls looking on laughed and there was some excuse for their amusement the spectacle of the sensible ruth shrinking and shrieking over nothing more alarming than an agitated forefinger was ridiculous enough to be funny graham encouraged by the laughter took a step toward his sister who instantly burst into incoherent appeals and protests oh graham please graham oh dear oh 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 hobo lying on the porch outside leaped to his feet hobo keenly felt the responsibility of the family he had adopted he subjected all new arrivals to a careful scrutiny which marked him sufficiently as the guardian of the household but never before in his three weeks of domesticity had the need for his services seemed as urgent as now barking excitedly hobo ran to the nearest window raised himself on his hind legs his forepaws resting on the outer sill and looked in the scene which met his eyes confirmed his worst suspicions ruth standing in the middle of the room cowered and pleaded while the teasing brother prolonged the fun by touching her lightly now and then finding her writhing protests eminently diverting outside hobo barked his warning the girls turned to the window and the laughter broke out afresh the dog's eyes shone with a bluish light like burnished steel the hair on his neck bristled threateningly as graham looked up hobo's upper lip drew back in a menacing fashion showing his teeth that dog would be an ugly customer in a fight remarked graham casually not averse to teasing a barking dog as well as a screaming girl he caught ruth by the arm as she edged away and tickled her again ruth's responsive shriek was ear-splitting hobo's head disappeared from the window the dog ran back crouching for a spring unluckily the screen had been removed from that particular window the previous day when peggy had discovered a break through which the flies were entering and the window itself had been lowered till the necessary repairs could be made just as graham was beginning to think that the fun was losing its zest a heavy body launched itself against the glass hobo was a large dog and since he had become a member of the family at doolittle cottage the hollows of his gaunt frame had been filling out rapidly with such a projectile hurled against a window the result could not be in doubt there was a startling crash pieces of glass flew in all directions and hobo bleeding from several wounds struggled through the splintered aperture made by the force of his spring and leaped at the young man who had disturbed the peace of the cottage for all hobo's injuries there was plenty of fight in him yet and the consequences might have been serious if peggy had not arrived upon the scene at the critical moment her stern command down hobo down sir emphasized by stamps of her foot had a magical effect the poor bleeding bewildered creature who had stopped at nothing to protect a member of the household which commanded his fealty recognized in peggy the ultimate authority the tense muscles bent for a spring instantly relaxed the lip dropped over the bared teeth with a whimper the poor brute crouched at peggy's feet and peggy saw with sickened dismay that the blood was oozing from gashes in the dog's neck graham she gasped oh graham he's hurt he's bleeding dreadfully graham's temporary lapse into the sins of his youth was over he was again a young college man and thoroughly ashamed of himself the amusement he had found in teasing ruth suddenly seemed inexplicable in view of this tragic culmination flushing and awkward he stood looking on while peggy bent over the wounded dog unable to restrain her tears but when she attempted to remove a splinter of glass from the gash for which it was responsible graham uttered a startled protest i wouldn't try that peggy 
he's likely to bite you oh he won't bite me peggy returned confidently he knows i'm his friend don't you poor old fellow hobo realizing that the loved voice was addressing him even though the trend of the question was beyond his comprehension gave a feeble flop of his tail and raised to peggy's face eyes full of loyalty and trust the living room became a hospital forthwith those of the girls who were affected with unpleasant qualms at the sight of blood fled precipitately while the others lent aid to peggy who had taken upon herself the double role of operating surgeon and chief nurse several ugly splinters of glass were removed from the bleeding neck and the wounds bathed and bandaged graham's usefulness in the operation was confined to offering advice for once when he had extended his hand to assist peggy the light of battle had again kindled in hobo's eyes and a low rumbling growl had voiced his objections to any ministrations from so objectionable a source when peggy's patient was swathed in bandages till he looked as if he might be suffering from a severe attack of sore throat peggy called him out into the woodshed where an inviting bed had been made ready for him hobo stretched himself upon the folded rug with a groan startlingly human it was clear that the loss of blood had weakened him and his gaze directed to peggy was full of pathetic questioning and dumb appeal i believe i'll run over to the coals and ask them if there is anything more we can do peggy said looking as unhappy as she felt they know so much about all kinds of animals i've taken care of taffy in his attacks of distemper and once he had a dreadful fight with another dog and came home all torn but he didn't bleed like this i'll walk over with you said graham only too ready to show his penitence and dorothy who had an innate antipathy to being left behind also proffered her services as escort accordingly the trio set forth dorothy declining to follow the path but circling around the others like an erratic planet revolving about twin suns graham who felt personally responsible for the shadow clouding peggy's bright face lost no time in apologizing peggy it's a shame for me to upset things so you'll all wish that we had got discouraged over mrs tyler's reception and gone on without stopping why no graham peggy protested nobody could have dreamed that anything like this would happen graham was not in a mood to spare himself perhaps not but there wasn't any excuse for teasing poor ruth almost into hysterics peggy was so inclined to agree with this diagnosis that she found it impossible to be as comforting as she would have liked i often wonder how it is that we all think teasing is fun she said girls are just as bad as boys in fact i think their kind of teasing is even more cruel sometimes it's queer when we stop to think of it that anybody can get real satisfaction out of making someone else miserable or even uncomfortable it's beastly graham declared with feeling i'm going to stop teasing ruth that's sure it seems so ridiculous to have her scream and wriggle if i point my finger at her that i can't realize that it isn't all a joke but i suppose it is serious enough from her point of view and i'm going to quit the walk to farmer cole's enlivened by similar expressions of penitence and good resolutions was a very edifying excursion and peggy in her sympathy for graham almost forgot her anxiety concerning hobo she was further relieved when the case was laid before farmer cole oh he'll get over it all right said that authority encouragingly being a cur dog that way now if you buy a high-bred animal and pay a fancy price it goes under at the least little thing never knew it to fail but to kill a cur you've got to blow him up with dynamite but they do die objected peggy who found it difficult to accept the farmer's optimistic view much as she wished to old age said farmer cole 
that's all a few scratches like that ain't going to hurt a cur but i paid through my nose for a blooded colt a few years back and twarn't a week before he cut himself on barbed wire and bled to death it won't do any harm for her to use some of the salve said mrs cole and went to her medicine closet in search of the remedy rosetta muriel smoothed her hair with a motion that set her bracelets jingling and cast a provocative glance at graham rosetta muriel admired graham extremely in spite of his shabby clothing there was about him the indefinable air which jerry had recognized and which had led him to classify the young man as a city dude i should have thought that raymond girl would have put on something more stylisher reflected rosetta muriel casting a disapproving glance at peggy's gingham i haven't seen her in a nice dress yet had she been in peggy's place she would have known better how to improve her opportunities she felt sure owing to hobo's injuries the event which up to the time of the accident had seemed to peggy so tremendously important had been quite cast in the shade she recalled it as mrs cole brought out the salve oh i didn't tell you my chickens have hatched turned out pretty well did they asked mrs cole smiling at peggy benevolently peggy was an immense favorite with the good woman a fact which rosetta muriel recognized with irritated wonder she asked herself frequently why it was that folks got so crazy over that raymond girl with no style to speak of there's only six hatched yet i've put them in a basket just as you said the old hen is on the other eggs maybe six will be all said mrs cole that thunderstorm day before yesterday was pretty rough on eggs most ready to hatch six chickens instead of eighteen an air castle fell with such a crash that it almost seemed to peggy as if the little group about her must be aware of its downfall then she took a long breath well even six at forty cents a pound won't be so bad for a start said peggy to herself mrs cole looked admiringly after the young people as they took their departure dorothy and annie racing on ahead they're what i call a handsome pair she exclaimed rosetta muriel objected he's awful swell but she ain't a bit look at her gingham dress seems to me that her gingham dress is just the thing for running around the woods and fields said mrs cole who did not often pluck up courage sufficiently to oppose her own opinions to her daughter's superior wisdom i've seen her fixed up in white of an evening and looking like a picture but as far as that goes she concluded resolutely there's so much to her face just as if her head was crammed full of bright ideas and her heart of kind thoughts that you get to looking at her and forget what she's wearing and i guess that young man thinks so too the closing sentence silenced the retort on rosetta muriel's lips her mother had voiced her own suspicions as a rule the sophisticated rosetta muriel had very little respect for her mother's opinions but in this case her views happened to coincide with some inward doubts of her own rosetta muriel wondered if it were possible after all that sweetness and intelligence written in a girl's face might count for more than some other things farmer cole's optimism regarding hobo was justified for that very evening as the young folks ranged themselves in a semicircle for the flashlight picture on which amy had set her heart hobo appeared looking very interested in his big collar of bandages and squeezed himself into the very front of the circle with a dog's deep-rooted aversion to being left out of anything poor hobo he was inexperienced in the matter of flashlights and that eventful day was to end in still another shock for when the powder was touched off and the room was illumined in the lurid glare high above the inevitable chorus of screams and laughter 
sounded hobo's yelp of terrified surprise he left the room with his tail between his legs and never again while the summer lasted could he be induced to face amy's camera End of chapter 8